Ready to set off on your captivating journey into the botanical world? NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you to pursue your passion as a budding plant person. Guided by professionals, dig into gardening, botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Grow your skills with online learning your way. Register at nybg.org. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Technological change, new ideas about teaching and learning, and evolving workforce needs are driving transformative change in the education sector from grade school to grad school. On Thursday, January 17th, the Washington Post hosted a gathering of leading... In this segment, XQ Institute CEO Russellin Ali discusses innovative approaches to transforming traditional secondary education. Let's listen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Eugene Scott. I'm a political reporter for The Fix. I write about political analysis related to identity politics. Uh, but for most of my career, I've been an education reporter, so I'm really excited about today's uh, panel. We have with us Russellin Ali. She is CEO and co-founder of the XQ Institute, which is an organization that works with high schools across the country, providing a nonprofit network of educators, students, and community leaders, with the goal of better preparing these students for college, career, and life. Rustlin is also the managing director of education at the Emerson Collective, a social change organization founded by Laureen Powell Jobs, focused on education, immigration reform, and other issues. Welcome to The Post. Thank you. So before we begin, I want to tell all of you here and those watching online that you can join the program by tweeting your questions um, and using the hashtag uh, PostLive. I will certainly try to get your questions in um, and not only ask questions that I want to hear, but let's get started. So just to give people some background who aren't familiar with the XQ Institute, what would you say XQ Institute is, and what are super schools? XQ is trying to help transform every high school in this country. Okay. High school, if there is one place in the, across the education system that has been pervasively stuck, mm -hmm. it is high school transformation. And the data bear that out. While we have seen great progress, especially since 2000, in the elementary and the middle grades, we've been stuck for the last 30 years, where achievement has been flat since the late 80s in both reading and mathematics for high school students. We know that about one in three students, those that do graduate, aren't college ready. But yet, super majority, 95% of kids across all demographics as they enter high school, are desperate and want to go to college, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We hope to spur action in communities. Mm -hmm. Eugene, you've been, as you said, writing about this for a very long time. You know better than most that we have had a set of fits and starts across the education system. Again, particularly the, in the early grades, but we'll get momentum for transformation and then get stuck. Mm -hmm. In part, our experience tells us that's because community, the stakeholders, mm. most dependent on public education for their learning, are not agents of the change mm. that is being done to them. Mm. XQ set about hoping to empower communities everywhere mm. 
to spur and reimagine what the next high school would look like. Mm -hmm. As Lorene and I went into this, we thought up to five, maybe if there were five, there were five communities that we could help empower to dream big and different. What we didn't expect is there would be 10,000 people across the country that participated in what became a seven-month designer of learning process. Now, are these the super schools? These are the super okay. schools. What we didn't expect is even after we identified the first 10, 150 teams would continue. So we are up to 19 now. Okay. The lessons are coming through. The experiences of what works and what doesn't are becoming ever more clear. But listen, we could help spur a thousand and that wouldn't be enough. We're delighted to partner with districts like Tulsa and states like Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity of just coming back from Puerto Rico mm -hmm. where folks are dealing with a crisis in their schools, the likes of which citizens in our country haven't seen mm -hmm. in a very long time. So we're working with communities everywhere to spur this transformation. So, so what makes a school a super school? Like if there are three things that distinguish a super school, I guess from, uh, all schools, I guess, are super to some degree, but uh, how would you define Absolutely. a super school? Well, listen, there, we, we are, and one of the key lessons from those 19, approach agnostic. There is absolutely no one size that fits all. We, each of these schools is centered around a set of core design principles, okay. ranging from a much deeper vision of student success, where students are deeply entrenched in real-world learning experiences, breakthrough uses of space and time. Grand Rapids comes to mind. It's a school housed in a museum. Its curriculum is based on 250,000 cultural and historical artifacts. RISE that serves in Los Angeles, that serves uh, mostly foster and homeless young people, has schools in multiple facilities, is teaching in multiple facilities and doing uh, school on wheels. Again, there's no one size okay. fits all here. They're doing breakthrough uses of time. One that comes to mind, Purdue Polytechnic, where at the end of those four years, young people are guaranteed admission mm -hmm. to Purdue Polytechnic mm -hmm. University. There, the educators are in a very nimble way innovating with, as, as all 19, equity at its center, realizing that to really empower young people to have control over their scheduling, to do personalized learning with technology done right, they had to borrow a hairdressing mm. application mm. so that students could schedule those 30-minute and 15-minute mm. intervals with teachers as they needed them. So it a super school looks different depending on the community and That's the right. student body population That's and right. the interests of the students. Um, but are you seeing any one particular theme across the board uh, emerge as the biggest challenge to public high schools in this country? The fact that they have been stuck. We are still, by and large, educating students at the high school level the way that we have done mm. in over 100 years. Mm. Six hours a day in chunks of time, divided into blocks over eight or nine periods a day, every day for four years. Mm. That seat time given to us equal a kind of learning. Mm. Every other industry has outpaced our high schools. Mm. They look virtually the same. Mm. So their, their lack of innovation and not unique to high schools, but certainly we 
we feel them the most in high schools, the pervasive inequities that have riddled our system mm -hmm. for far too long. Mm -hmm. The students that are most dependent on their public education for learning get the least. Mm -hmm. One study recently showed that 60% of high poverty high schools don't even offer physics at a time when knowledge is currency. Mm -hmm. And it is only through knowing more and mastering more content mm -hmm. at the end of high schools mm -hmm. that we will truly be future ready mm -hmm. and ready for the future of work. And I know you worked on a lot of these issues during the Obama administration with the U.S. Department of Education. Are there any approaches to this issue that you see this current administration tackling in a way that you think is effective? I think um, ensuring that leadership is empowered mm -hmm. in their efforts at uh, local uh, use of resources and flexibility can be helpful when done right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Having said that, to roll back everything mm -hmm. that now research has said mm -hmm. makes a difference is shameful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The last administration was the first to, I, to say under Title IX to identify a truth woven through the spirit of our democracy under Title IX mm -hmm. that students ought to be free from sexual violence in mm -hmm. our schools as Assistant Secretary of Civil Rights under Obama and Duncan for the first term. I never met a faculty member anywhere that said they wanted rape on their campus. Yeah. Instead, they wanted advice and help on how to cure a pandemic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were the first administration to identify that gender identity equals gender under Title IX, to mm -hmm. roll that back mm -hmm. at a time of enlightenment. Yeah. Seems counterproductive at best. Yeah. The civil rights data collection hadn't been transformed since 1968 under Obama's for ter first term, we were able to ask basic questions that showed we absolutely had a school-to-prison pipeline mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to erase those data, to throw away the truth about course access, the truth about where dollars are going, the truth about who has access mm -hmm. to our strongest teachers, to throw away the thermometer because it says we have a pervasive fever mm. is ignorant. Mm. But we, we um, remain ever hopeful yeah. that these issues, that public education is the great equalizer, mm -hmm. that if there is one place of bipartisan agreement, it ought to be in the enforcement of equity and access for all of our young people and that this new Congress will continue to remind us of that. And, and speaking of that, you mentioned L.A. earlier. We've seen congressional lawmakers from Southern California express their concerns about the L.A. teacher strike, uh, issues about privatization uh, and equity in public schools in Southern California. I know you obviously work in California quite a bit with your schools. What, what's been your reaction to uh, that issue? I'm, I'm assuming you've been following it pretty closely. Uh, I don't know the specifics okay. of 
the collective bargaining mm -hmm. uh, negotiations in Los Angeles Unified. Uh, it is a cry for help from educators that are struggling to do more with less. Right. And we as a country and as a people need to unite around them. Having said that, I, it is with a heavy heart that you see kids not learning, mm -hmm. especially those young people that need their teachers and their schools mm -hmm. open mm -hmm. the most. Speaking of issues that you're seeing in uh, schools, in addition to not learning and covering politics, I've read quite a bit about how uh, kids are really struggling to process some of these larger conversations that are happening at the national level uh, related to sexual assault and identity changes, related to immigration, related to police brutality. What role can schools play in helping students better process these, these issues we're discussing on a daily basis? Um, the, the, it's not just what they can play, it's what they have to. Mm -hmm. um, listen, whether it be, it's one of the, the hallmarks of the Obama administration's Office for Civil Rights, its guidances were written with application sections, real advice and counsel on how you deal with these issues, how to help bus drivers have conversations uh, uh, that are grown-up conversations, right? How to help process uh, what's happening around them and yet still feel safe. For sure, how to identify fallacious facts to be able to know what is true, to know that they have a right. The Obama administration also reminded the country of Plyler versus Doe, that all young people, regardless of whether they are documented or not, have a right to go to and access public education in this country. Teachers and, and educators, as we were just saying, they are, faculty are dealing with issues um, that they've never had to before. I was talking with a leader of, of a school in Brooklyn not too long ago who was sharing the story of one, a ninth grade student who wears a hijab and a burqa coming to school being threatened, not just because of her ethnicity, but because of, of her sex, mm -hmm. confronting fears. Schools are safe havens. Mm -hmm. They should be. Mm -hmm. Having said that, right after 2016, we were down with one of our partner schools in Southern California, helping them figure out how to get swastikas off their walls. Now, when you think of these issues in the context of where we are now politically, looking at 2020, what are some of the topics and focuses you would like to see this next group of candidates focus on related to public education to perhaps reverse some of these things that you're fearing could become the new norm? Listen, there are um, supporting the notion of alignment to college. High schools are the future of work. Ensuring that our young people, when they graduate, can be ready for college and career. Even if they're not, listen, 11.6 million new jobs have been added to the economy since 2008. 11.5 million of them have required a college degree. So we need to prepare young people for access. We could do 
uh, a fund to support states mm -hmm. in that alignment. We could make Pell grants accessible mm -hmm. for high school students that are doing middle college or college preparatory programs. Mm -hmm. We have to enforce the nation's civil rights laws. This Congress should use its oversight authority mm -hmm. and its legislative authority if necessary. Mm -hmm. Doing something around teacher preparation, supporting teachers, a $10,000 annual permanent tax credit. If you are capable and ready and excellent to teach in our nation's and these high are poverty things schools. These are the Democrats can do we now? We can do now. Okay. We can do now. Ensuring that the teacher uh, accountability for teacher effectiveness is back in teacher preparation programs. Ensuring that civil rights protections are a part of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act implementation that was codified mm -hmm. into law in the last administration. These are things we can do now. Mm -hmm. Have you heard any new ideas coming out of this new Congress so far from any lawmakers that you're excited about that you maybe hadn't thought about before or you feel like are the next step in some of the ideas you worked on previously? As you mentioned in your last question, a focus on criminal justice and equity mm -hmm. is admirable. Mm -hmm. This idea of an infrastructure conversation, I'm hearing grumblings that if mm -hmm. true, we're talking about a hundred billion dollars for school construction. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen anything like that since the New Deal. But if schools were really hubs of community, one of our partner schools in Memphis, Tennessee, Crosstown is in the old Sears Robux Distribution Center in the middle of the uh, Crosstown Concourse. Its theory is diversity by design. It's surrounded by 35 businesses, including a hospital serving 70,000 residents. That can, if we thought about school construction in that way, one of our partner schools in Endicott, New York, the home of uh, used to be IBM that is partnering with businesses to not just develop curriculum, but also ensure apprenticeship programs. If we thought about school construction in new ways, mm -hmm. we could have not only at once a new deal, mm -hmm. but really revolutionize once again. We were the first, Eugene, as you know, on the planet to do universal high school education. Mm -hmm. We can once again lead the planet on innovation with an equity mindset when it comes to our schools. So there is certainly some conversations that uh, give me hope and we look forward to supporting mm -hmm. those willing to do the right thing. Well, obviously, when talking about innovation, we often think about technology. Is there a specific thing happening right now in public education uh, in the area of technology that you believe will be transformative? That it has finally caught up with the policy. There is no silver bullet. There is no one device. There is no one piece of software. There is no one platform. But finally, a vision for transform policy can be done because technology will make access and opportunity easier and better. Teachers can see what's happening to young people in real time. We can do personalized learning and catch kids before they slip. We don't have to wait for an end of year test. Psychometrically valid assessments on daily playlists that meet students where they are, adaptive assessments that will not just identify when pe young people do something wrong, but exactly the problem that they know. It's not just that math problem they're not doing. We know now they're not just 
at a fourth grade reading level or an eighth grade reading level, we will know that it's numeracy. We will know that it's fractions. We will be able to, uh, with a laser focus, tackle and, and, and identify interventions when needed. We know that we can get teachers to the students that need them the most through serious coaching, through technology, right? It facilitates not only the way teachers do business, but the way students learn. Awesome. Uh, before I get to a question we have, you talked about catching students before they slip, and I know much of Excuse Focus is on high schools. What happens when a student has clearly slipped before high school? How do you get them back on track? Well, the, the, what, listen, for far too long in our public education, so we've believed that high schools are too late, that mm. it was just too late. That's why we haven't focused. Mm. When I tell you that we've improved by uh, an entire year's worth of learning between fourth graders today and fourth graders in 2000 and reading, two years worth of learning with eighth graders today versus their counterparts in 2000 in mathematics, that is because we focus relentlessly on that as a country. Mm. But finally, we have neuroscience data that shows us that high schools are not too late. We now know that the plasticity of the brain, in fact, there is high school secondary uh, rapid improvement at the secondary level rivals only that uh, pre-K through five, right? Neuroscience data is telling us that now. We can actually know that with the right stimulation, you can actually even improve, improve the IQ of high school students. So we know what is possible now. We can debunk the myths that of what is not, mm -hmm. and we can get the learning to kids that need them in innovative real-world ways. Awesome, awesome. Unfortunately, as I perhaps gave you a warning, I was not able to get to these questions because I had too many of my own. Uh, but your Twitter handle, your website, how can people learn more about you? Okay, I'm really getting better at Twitter. It's, <laughs> it, it's um, at Russell Alley. Okay. So that's really creative. All right. Um, <laughs> But my name has two ends in it because my father was really creative. Um, uh, and our Rethink High School, hashtag Rethink High School, we are at uh, xqinstitute.org. And uh, we uh, are, all of our information is on our website. And we um, always get back to you in really real time. Rustlin at xqinstitute.org. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with Thank us. Thank you. Thank you, Gigi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com. NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at NYBG.org.